mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, the American Academy of Pediatrics has issued new guidance encouraging doctors to take a more proactive approach in combating childhood obesity. But are medications and even surgery really the right way to attack this problem? Also this morning in our community and business spotlight, whatever your resolution for the new year, the United Way of Hancock County can connect you with volunteer opportunities in the community because helping others can help you too. And remember when experts warned that giving a new pet as a Christmas gift might not be the best idea? Well, now that the holidays are over, it's a great time to welcome a new four-legged family member. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Wednesday, January 11th, 2023. The big news this morning. I don't know if you uh, heard this, but this is big, big news. want to make sure that we uh, let you know about this right out of the gate because it is the most important thing you need to know this morning. In-N-Out Burger is coming to Tennessee. Did you see this? I actually saw this on the Newswire this morning. I did a huge double take when I heard this story. The company has announced it will open a 100,000-square-foot office building in Franklin, Tennessee, invested, which is a suburb of uh, Nashville, investing more than $125 million and bringing in more than 270 jobs. And construction is set to start next year, be complete by 2026. Perhaps even more significant, well, not perhaps, it is more even, even more significant than that. I mean, they're opening a corporate office. Okay, yeah, fine. But with that, that means that the popular fast food chain will begin to open restaurants around the Nashville area as well. That's right. In-N-Out Burger opening restaurants in Nashville, Tennessee. It will be their first locations east of Texas. Is primarily a West Coast chain. You see them in California. Uh, you see them in Vegas. You go to Vegas, um, but primarily it's it's all West Coast. And uh, not all that long ago, they expanded a little bit further east and keep creeping east. Texas, though, was the furthest east that you could get in an out burger. But this will bring the popular fast food chain. Uh, to Nashville, and according to a statement from the company, they were they were asked. Um, I saw part of the press conference on this. They were asked if that would be uh, that would be the end of it, and they kind of seemed to hint that there would be further expansion to come. Hmm. So, In and Out Burger is like sort of a, a legendary thing, but I think. I, I would be very careful if I was that company. I mean, I would think it would be really cool to get an In-N-Out burger a little closer to us, right? But um, at the same time, part of its mystique is its um, limited availability. The fact that you can't just get an In-N-Out burger anywhere. That you have to be in a certain part of the country is what part of what makes it special. So you got to be very careful in balancing that so as not to ruin what makes that special, but I know for uh, uh, anyone who is a West Coast transplant, now my daughter-in-law would be uh, really, really excited if we were to get In and Out Burger here, uh, because she's a California girl, and so that that would be big, uh, big news for her. But uh, anyway, thought that was uh, pretty big news. Definitely want to know that first thing out of the gate this morning. Uh, I guess we should mention this uh, in conjunction with that. Uh, research suggests that men develop more obesity-rated health... Yeah, (laughs) let me start over. Research suggests that men develop more obesity-related health issues than women do. We're talking things like diabetes and heart disease. Researchers from York University uh, may have found the reason why. Differences among blood vessel building cells within fatty tissue. Now, it's long been known that men and women are affected differently uh, with respect to these health issues related to obesity. 
Now we know why. The team discovered that when male mice or when female mice uh, developed obesity, they grew more blood vessels to provide fat tissue with nutrients. However, male mice who are obese grew fewer of those blood vessels in the same fatty tissue. Uh, The researchers say you can't make the assumption that both genders are going to respond to the same series of events the same way. One implication of our findings is that there will be situations where the treatment that is ideal for men is not going to be ideal for women and vice versa. So that is the point of it. Now, we know why men and women are affected differently. Again, I just thought it was kind of uh, interesting. And as long as we're talking about fast food, I suppose we should talk about these things. By the way, speaking of food, this, I guess, is a really big controversy online. I don't know if you are on the uh, online bulletin board Reddit, but this is where um, I guess this has really taken off and there are other places as well. It is the question of how should grocery store workers stack their fresh packaged meat products. Uh, The internet being divided over how one supermarket worker in Australia completed that task. A concerned customer from Sydney, Australia, posted a photo of an employee at her local grocery store piling packaged pork on the ground on the floor in front of the display. The customer said the employee would then grab from the pile and label the packages and put them on and put the trays on the shelf. Uh, The shopper noted that she had seen other grocery store workers at the same location doing the same thing. They would put the packages uh, of fresh meats on the floor before labeling them and organizing them on the shelf. As opposed to uh, putting the food in a or using a cart uh, and then stocking the shelves from the cart as opposed to letting the food. Um, some of her uh, fellow shoppers were appalled that workers were putting food on the ground um, because of the issues of you know, sanitary conditions. You don't know what other customers have tracked into the store on their shoes. However, others pointed out that the meat is wrapped in plastic. And uh, said one person, don't lick or eat the packaging and you'll be fine. This is not that big of a deal. So, I don't know. Good thing? Bad thing? What is the... I would think that... uh, I mean, not that my opinion makes any difference one way or the other. But I would think just the appearance of it would be something that I would want to avoid. If it were my store, I'd say, yeah, it probably doesn't make any difference because it's all wrapped and and all of the, the food itself is not com- contaminated it's just but it's just not a good look so let's avoid that let's not do that as a matter of policy you know what i mean uh the company has since responded to the whole brouhaha saying the complaint is under review so stay tuned i don't know i think that was uh, rather interesting would you would you be concerned if you saw that your local grocery store would you be concerned would you raise the issue with the manager would you go and shop somewhere else i don't know there's Uh, A couple of other items here among the first things that you need to know to get your Wednesday morning started. NerdWallet is out with their latest study of household debt. And they say, coming into 2023, the average debt of American households has reached $165,000. And if you extrapolate that out on out uh, by the number of households in America, that totals up $16.5 trillion of debt. We collectively owe other people $16.5 trillion in this country. That is an increase of 7.65% from last year at this time. Now, mind you, when we say the average American household has $165,000 in debt. That includes everything, not just things like credit cards, uh, which credit card debt alone 
totaled about $17,000 per household. So seven is that's a pretty high number. But if you get that total number of $165,000 and think, oh, my goodness, how can we owe so much money? But I bet you owe at least that much or more without even realizing it because you add in things like car loans, mortgage debt, student loans. You total it all up, and it doesn't take very long to get to $165,000. I think I'm I'm slightly under. I think our household is slightly under that. Or maybe we're at that number. I don't know. It doesn't take that long, especially when you add in your mortgage um, and maybe a car loan. And you can get to $165,000 pretty quickly. But average credit card debt alone, $17,000. And I'm interesting. This is why we get up and go to work every morning, right? (laughs) If it wasn't for that $165,000 worth of debt, uh, we might not have to work so hard. But... uh, And this is kind of interesting. Again, it is a a brewing controversy. See what you think uh, about this. The Consumer Product Safety Commission is uh, targeting gas stoves in the home as its latest product of concern. The commissioner of the CPSC has said a nationwide ban on gas stoves is on the table. Not necessarily this is going to happen, but they are considering it. This comes after a recent study linking childhood asthma cases to the use of gas stoves as opposed to the electric range uh, in our kitchens. Um, The head of the CPSC, Consumer Product Safety Commission, says uh, if, if we can't make this safer, if we can't make these safer, then we will do what we do with products that cannot be made safe. We ban them. Now, some states... Uh, California comes to mind, prohibit gas stoves in new construction, new houses, new apartment buildings, and are not allowed to put gas stoves in anymore. But that has more to do with the environmental uh, impact and the use of fossil fuels, natural gas to uh, power them. Um, but it, uh, it it's not a consumer safety uh, issue. And those stoves did not expo- uh, apply to, or those bans do not apply to existing buildings or places where st- gas stoves already exist. But uh, they uh, do have some other options on the table, making uh, setting standards on emissions from those appliances and finding ways to mitigate the dangerous uh, gases they give off carbon monoxide and, and things like that. But uh, banning... Gas stoves in uh, in home. It is on the table. Maybe sometime in the future. What do you think about that? I know what a lot of people will think about that. There you go. Some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Wednesday morning started. WFIN News. I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather. Becoming partly sunny today with a high of 50. Partly cloudy tonight. A low of 45. The Findlay Fire Department has four new team members. Chief Josh Eberle says he's excited about this group and says they'll get the department almost back up to full strength following some retirements and resignations. All of them bring some level of experience in the fire service or EMS side of things. We have a couple that have some law enforcement experience and two have military experience as well. So we're excited about this group. We're glad to have them as part of the team. The four new firefighters were recently sworn in by Finley Mayor Christina Mern. You can see a picture of the firefighters with the mayor and the fire chief on the website. The state's sex offender registration system is getting a technology upgrade. All 88 Ohio County Sheriff's offices have been provided new cameras to improve the registration process of convicted sex offenders. Also, sheriff's offices that requested new computers will receive upgraded machines and software improvements to process sex offender registrations. In total, nearly $400,000 in upgrades have been made to the registration system. That money came from a grant provided by the Office of Sex Offender Sentencing, Monitoring, Apprehending, Registering, and Tracking, part of the U.S. Department of Justice. Kate Burdett, ONN News. And we have a link to the Hancock County Sex Offender Database with this story on our website. 
Members of the Finley City Schools Board of Education were recognized at the first meeting of the year. Finley Mayor Christina Mern presented a proclamation declaring January as School Board Recognition Month in honor of the board. Thank you on behalf of the city of Finley. Thank you for the work that you do. I'm very grateful. The school district points out that the board members spend countless hours volunteering on behalf of students and donate their salary back to the school district. Get more on the website. The funeral was held for a store cashier in Upper Sandusky who was murdered at her workplace just a few months after getting married. 22-year-old Karis Rebel was laid to rest following her funeral at the Trinity Baptist Church in Marion. The newlywed was stabbed to death last week while working at a Dollar Tree store in Upper Sandusky. The suspect in her death, Bethel Beckel, has been charged with murder. Police believe that this was a random attack. I'm Stephanie Haney. And on our website, we have a link to the GoFundMe that was set up for her family. I'm Matt Demchek for 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. So now to our cover story this morning. The American Academy of Pediatrics has issued new guidance encouraging doctors to take a more proactive approach in combating childhood obesity including for the first time recommending under certain conditions even medications and surgery is that really the right way to combat the problem dr cheryl huffman is with us she is pediatrician with the blanchard valley health center's kaufman uh blanchard valley health systems kaufman medical center uh health center and uh, dr huffman first of all thanks very much for uh, for being with us uh, you've read through some of these uh, guidelines, and I know you were sharing with me that the uh, full recommendations uh, report is something like 500 pages long. So this is pretty comprehensive here. Um, but based on what you have, have read and uh, what you have seen with these uh, new recommendations, how comfortable are you with this? Um, I think it's great news. We haven't had any recent guidelines or updates on uh, recommendations for treatment for obesity for a long time, at least 15 years and things are changing so fast that that's really too long. I hope that the next one doesn't take that long. And, you know, we have had so many people trying to come up with ways to combat obesity. You know, Michelle Obama tried really hard. Mm-hmm. Everybody's tried different things. I think the biggest problem is that the problem itself is so multifactorial, and there's not just one right answer for everybody. So I know this will be a little bit... Um, some people won't really like some of the things they have to say, but I, I think all in all, I'm very happy to see it come out. That really, it, 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 the bottom line is what you were just mentioning. We've tried so many different things over the years, and this continues to be a problem that we see rising instances of uh, obesity in young people. Um, why? I mean, I guess that really is the, the $64,000 question, if you will, isn't it? Well, it is. And I, you know, I think one of the things that I thought was interesting about these guidelines is that I think in the, in the past, we tend to think, you know, this is the patient's problem. They're eating too much. They're not exercising. You know, genetic studies are showing more and more there's a strong genetic component to obesity. So here again, that's another factor. Still doesn't mean we don't need to be looking at diet and exercise. I mean, certainly children spend so many hours in front of video screens, they need to get up and be more active. But at least this gives us, gives pediatricians and families some hope that there's some other things that we could try as well. So previously, uh, much of the uh, guidance included, as you were mentioning, changes in lifestyle and diet, and to a certain extent, a wait-and-see attitude, are young people going to, quote-unquote, grow out of it? Uh, it, You know, that kind of baby fat thing when we were, I don't even know if you use that term anymore, (laughs) but, you know, when we were younger, uh, that was uh, kind of the, uh, the reference. And Basically, what we're we're finding is that over the years, we know now that that does not work. No, it, it doesn't. And, you know, we used to think even like chubby babies, oh, they're so cute. Mm-hmm. You know, now we know that those really chubby babies are probably going to become chubby children and adolescents and adults. And the vast, vast majority of children who are obese continue to be obese far into adulthood. So just waiting and seeing if they're going to grow out of it yeah. um, is, is it working. So the question then becomes, where do you delineate or when do you uh, decide that, yes, it's time to uh, take more significant measures like medication or even surgery, which, again, I would imagine some uh, uh, parents would be uncomfortable with that idea in, for young children. 
Well, certainly they would. The other problem is some parents are really uncomfortable with you even discussing the fact that their child is obese. Mm -hmm. And studies clearly show that a lot of doctors don't bring it up because they know they'll offend the parents. But, you know, that's where it has to start. We have to face what the problem is and then try to solve it. Um, The guidelines are pretty clear. Um, Medications should not be used until at least the age of 12. So it's not like we're going to be, even though we're seeing obesity, even in four, five, six-year-olds, we're not going to be using any kind of other new interventions until at least age 12. So it's not the first club out of the bag, is it? It is not, not at all. And then bariatric surgery has now been approved down to the age of 13. And that's shown to be very, very effective in children. Again, that is not without its own risk, but it's, you know, for some of these children, and especially the surgery is for the children who are really morbidly obese. So, like, their body mass index is at least the 120th percentile above where it should be. So, So with respect to the uh, surgery, on the one hand, uh, I guess, and this would be uh, common or uh, the the common thought process in, in most surgeries, uh, younger people would be better able to tolerate that uh, than older patients would. But also, uh, one of the things that you always uh, are concerned with, with respect to uh, weight loss surgery of any type, is can those individuals then keep the weight off after uh, after that surgery? Is that a bigger uh, concern with young people because they have so many more years post-surgery? You know, and to be honest, I don't know the exact answer to that. I will say, though, that you're right. Um, children seem to do much better with the surgery than adults, maybe because they haven't developed a lot of the other comorbid conditions that most adults have, like high blood pressure and problems with diabetes and their heart and things. So in terms of actually getting through the surgery, they do better. I think we're going to need more data on long-term consequences and effects and if the children can keep the weight off or not. Um, because we haven't been doing it in these younger children very often, mm-hmm. just as yet. yet. Uh, it's interesting you, you mentioned the comorbidities. Uh, that's one of the areas of concern is that you are actually seeing increased numbers of children with uh, more advanced uh, diseases that you typically associate with adults uh, tied into weight, high blood pressure, heart disease, that kind of thing. Absolutely. And when I went through residency, they didn't even t- teach me how to treat high blood pressure because the cardiologist only did that. Well, I'm doing it all the time now because Mm. I have children who are having these adult problems even when they're young. So it's really sad. So extreme uh, problems call for extreme measures Mm -hmm. uh, is kind of we've all heard that saying before, but that really kind of applies here. It it does. And um, I like I say, I'm really glad to see these guidelines. I have to say for at least 10 or 15 years. I've been very concerned that obesity will bankrupt the United States of America. We have all these children who are going to have a ton of health problems if we can't get them on track. So having some guidelines on what we can do to maybe prevent them from being having developed all those conditions as adults, I think it's really exciting. Uh, as you mentioned, uh, again, this is not first club out of the bag uh, kind of stuff. You still would initially rely on lifestyle changes and uh, healthy eating habits and so on. I wonder uh, to what extent does the uh, mindset of acceptance of everyone's differences uh, they kind of play into uh, some of this. Um, I mean, nobody wants to fat shame someone, uh, to use a pop culture uh, term, but at the same time, we do need to own up to the fact that some of these uh, lifestyle choices and dietary habits and so on are unhealthy, and that becomes an interesting dichotomy there. It really is. It's an excellent question, and I, you know, I, I can't say as I have a perfect answer for it, but um, it is interesting that for the first time in like forever, they have recently, CDC has revised the growth curves to include BMIs well, well above the 97th percentile because right now they, they, they're not even on the curve. They're off the page. Mm-hmm. And so that in itself says to me, you know, we're, we're, we're kind of accepting the fact that this is happening more and more. What hasn't changed at least so far, and I hope it doesn't, is what still is considered normal. So as more and more children get obese, there might be the tendency to change the growth curves to show, you know, that maybe that's more what's the norm anymore. But so it's it's a very 
interesting question. So for parents who are hearing about this, and again, these new guidelines uh, saying, and you know, a part of, another part of this uh, that uh, is interesting to me is that when you say we're going to recommend in extreme cases, medication, even surgery, there seems to be um, a, a bit of, I don't want to say distrust, but uh, hesitancy for a lot of people with respect to any type of medication. We want to avoid pharmaceuticals uh, as much as we can and go with the a more holistic approach and, and so on and so forth. So you would imagine you could probably see some pushback for that alone. With respect to that, then what would be the first club out of the bag for parents who are concerned and we don't want to get to this point? What do you say to those parents? You know, I think you still go back to lifestyle changes. I mean, it, it we really do need all children to eat healthy diet, more vegetables, get outside, play, exercise, do all the things that kids, you know, are really meant to do and supposed to do. And I can't see us using, these medications are not going to be first line. And I don't think, I think maybe at least at the beginning, the pediatric endocrinologists are going to be the one probably prescribing a lot more of them than we pediatricians um, and family practice providers. Um, And the surgery, but sometimes I have to say, when you talk to the parent about your child is going to need medication. Your your child may need surgery. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that alone is a little is a wake up call. Yeah, this is where we're headed. This is what's going to happen if we don't intervene, and, and that can be very helpful for the family. It can be very powerful. Mm-hmm. Again, uh, Dr. Cheryl Huffman is with us, pediatrician with the Blanchard Valley Health System, Kaufman Health Center, this morning talking about these uh, new American Academy of Pediatrics guidelines on combating childhood obesity, which continues to be a growing problem. No pun intended. Uh, Dr. Huffman, thanks very much. For for being with us here. You're at your welcome. We Thanks for it. having me. Now, the Good Mornings Community and Business Spotlight. Angela Naboski is here, the United Way of Hancock County, and we're talking New Year's resolutions. Yeah, and into the second week in January. Sure. Um, there's some good news, and then there's also some, I was reading some statistics that said that first week in January, 25% of us have yeah. already given up our New Year's resolutions. <laughs> like just the first week, and by the end of the first month, I think the number is like two-thirds of us yeah. are, you know, just go by the wayside. But you have ways if your um, resolution is to do good or do something good for others volunteering you've got a lot of opportunities ways to people to do that we do and I think this might be a little more sticky as far as a resolution is concerned you would hope so yeah we see that volunteerism has a lot of positive effects it connects you to the community it helps you to make friends it's a social outlet it's a physical outlet it's also a stress reducer so anytime that you go to put yourself out to help someone else or, or a cause, mm-hmm. it tends to lower, to create chemicals that lower your stress and anxiety. Yeah. So it has a lot of positive things. And a lot of folks even find it as a career advancing thing to take back to their company to say, hey, Which, I'm invested in my community. Again, people are looking to maybe make that a resolution to you know advance their career or what have you. So yeah, we're, I mean, this is all scientific stuff. It, it so, is. Yeah, and very. we try to make it really easy too. So our website is broken down really well from opportunities that are just one time. We kind of call that a 101 level. Mm-hmm. So you can do a one time thing or you can go all the way up to 401, which is you have to get some training, you deeply invest in relationships and making a difference and I think there's a lot of great options even for family or youth on our website so whatever level you are comfortable with or just starting with and maybe moving up the way. And by yeah. the way, it's not just uh, volunteering for the United Way. I mean, there's certainly volunteer opportunities to right. get involved with the campaign and, and things like that every year. But this is you're talking about beyond that. We are the hub at Volunteers United for a lot of opportunities out in the community. So if you have a cause that you're passionate about, if you have a specific skill that you want to use and you don't see it on the website, you can get a one-on-one appointment with our volunteer coordinator and she'll help to tailor a group experience for you or help you to find that niche in the community that you're looking for. Again, putting, uh, leveraging that uh, ability that you have to connect with all of these different uh, organizations and agencies within the uh, community as you do on an everyday basis to uh, help out in a number of There are hundreds of options out there. By the way, speaking of volunteer opportunities, uh, we're coming up on tax season. We joke that now that Christmas and New Year's are passed, we can get 
get down to the time of the year that everybody looks forward to, and that is tax season. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Paying our bills, too, from from the holidays. That, too, yeah. Um, But uh, the VITA program is looking for uh, volunteers. You're helping coordinate with that. We are. So United Way is running. It's the Volunteer Income Tax Assistance Program. And starting next week, people will be able to call in if they would like some income tax help uh, so that volunteers are getting trained. Mm -hmm. And in the beginning of February, we can create appointments for them to be able to go and have somebody walk them through their taxes. So there are income limits that we can walk you through when you call in for your appointment. There are um, special circumstances that we can help with. But right now, we are recruiting volunteers to uh, sit through some training to learn a little bit about. You do not have to be a professional accountant to Mm -hmm. be able to do this yeah Um, we walk you through the training we offer that support and it's a way that we can bring additional dollars back into our community to folks that are more vulnerable financially at this time of the year and if folks want more information on uh, volunteering through the VITA program or any other way of volunteering in the community, if they have, uh, if they are so motivated to do that, uh, if they have questions or what have you, uh, how do they get the ball rolling? The best way to do it is to call the United Way of Hancock County offices at 419-423-1432. You can also explore them on our website and there's a contact us button there and we can connect you to a lot of great things. Again, Angela Dabosky is CEO of the United Way of Hancock County. Angela, thanks very much. Thank you. The Community and Business Spotlight is a promotional advertisement paid for by the featured sponsor. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. A porch bear in Connecticut uh, is going viral. I did... I saw this uh, video a couple of days ago online. Apparently, a family in Plainville, Connecticut, discovered a massive black bear that had been hibernating under the deck in their backyard. And so what do you think they would do? I mean, what would you do if you discovered there was a massive black bear uh, hanging out in your backyard? Uh, well, logically, naturally, I think the first thing that anyone would do is whip out your phone and take a video. <laughs> That's what they did. They posted, they have uh, uploaded the video of <laughs> this bear hibernating under the deck. Uh, they posted it on TikTok where it has now been viewed millions of times. They have nicknamed the bear Marty and have been inundated with requests for updates about his status. So the, the collective of the internet is encouraging them to go out and check on Marty every now and then, which doesn't strike me as the safest thing to do. I mean, I am not an animal expert myself, but I would guess that those who are animal experts would tell you that if you have a giant black bear in your backyard, hibernating or not, probably best to... Well, number one, leave it alone. Number two, call someone to uh, maybe have that taken care of. (laughs) Don't shoot video and post it online and post updates on it. Because bears, during hibernation, they don't actually sleep for months at a time. They are are not completely dormant. I mean, they don't go out very much. They generally stay in one spot, and they do sleep a lot. But it's not like they... Uh, are completely unconscious or anything like that. I mean, he's... You can see on the video that he's actually awake. And he's a pretty big bear. Uh, they guess that he has been slumbering in the yard for at least a week or two before he was discovered. But I think I'd probably call someone about that. Uh, but anyway, Marty the Bear, he is the uh, latest uh, internet celebrity here. <clears throat> At least until the point where the family gets eaten. Uh, A Florida man is facing charges after a confrontation at a a ski resort in Park City, Utah. And again, there's video of this online. (laughs) The guy's from Florida. He's vacationing in Utah, going skiing. And uh, this 39-year-old man can be seen on the video punching an older man in the face as they ride together on the chairlift. (laughs) 
What do they always tell you when somebody is, uh, uh, when there's a confrontation, you just walk away? Well, you're you're trapped on the chairlift up the side of a mountain. You can't really walk away. So uh, he just kind of has to s- sit there and take it. Police say the punches were thrown at the Park City Mountain Resort after the Florida man was reportedly upset because the older man, he believed the older man elbowed him in the face. I don't know if he, I guess, thought that the older guy did it intentionally, but uh, (laughs) in any event, uh, the uh, Florida man facing charges of assault and disorderly conduct and will be arraigned next month. (laughs) I just think that's wild. On the chairlift, there's this fight going on. Nobody fell out. A man in Washington state is being charged for shooting a Taco Bell restaurant that was closed. (laughs) I mean, I think we've all had this uh, happen at one time or another in our lives. We want to go out to eat someplace. We get a craving for a very specific restaurant. We get there and the place is closed. It can be very frustrating. Last Friday, Taco Bell employees were closing the store when a man from Yakima in a pickup truck uh, tried to come through the drive-thru. They told him the restaurant was closed, and he became immensely upset, yelling that he would break their windows if they didn't serve him food. Uh, They basically ignored the guy because, you know, they're closed. And after a few minutes, he initially left... But employees spotted his truck parked nearby. Uh, A little bit later on, as the employees were leaving, they heard a gunshot called 911. David Sharp uh, was placed under arrest. Uh, It turns out he had fired twice at the restaurant. (laughs) Nobody was hurt. (laughs) The restaurant had been hit with two rounds. Uh, Mr. Sharp being charged with a drive-by shooting, or in this case, a drive-through shooting. And, of course, uh, driving under the influence. Aha! I figured there might be some intoxicating substance involved here. Uh, Speaking of intoxicated substances, a woman in Washington State, um, and I'm not sure exactly where in Washington State this is. It happened, uh, the Washington State Patrol uh, had this report. A woman making headlines after calling 911 to report a state patrol trooper who was pursuing her vehicle during a high-speed chase. (laughs) She's running away from the cops. They're chasing her at high speed, so she calls 911 to say, cut it out. The uh, woman actually was a passenger in the vehicle that was being pursued for a suspected DUI just after midnight. And she called the cops. Police say the woman inaccurately believed the trooper wasn't allowed to pursue them due to recent reforms to high-speed police pursuit uh, regulations passed by the state legislature. <laughs> you, you're not allowed to chase us. You're not allowed. Uh, the uh, 911 operator assured the woman that, yes, they are allowed to pursue you. Uh, police say they uh, eventually stopped. They got the vehicle to stop. The trooper found alcohol containers uh, in the uh, vehicle. The trooper arrested the driver for DUI and attempting to elude police. And uh, both passengers, including the 911 caller, uh, were released. And they were not charged. But <laughs> Now she knows that, yes, the police can pursue you when there is... And finally, in the broken news this morning, I just love the idea. You call 911 and say, hey, cut it out. Stop chasing us. And finally, in the broken news this morning, again, another drive through story. Imagine going through the drive through at your favorite restaurant, get your morning cup of coffee, and being served by none other than award-winning actor Ben Affleck. It happened... At, uh, let's see here, Medford, was it Medford, Oregon? Yesterday, customers, or Medford, Massachusetts, I'm sorry. Medford, Massachusetts, customers at the drive-thru at the local Dunkin' Donuts shop uh, thought they were seeing things when their coffee was served by actor Ben Affleck, the movie star, and his new wife, singer and actress Jennifer Lopez, were at the shop 
to shoot a commercial for Dunkin' Donuts. And so they decided to serve some of the customers. <laughs> Pictures of the pair in a in a Dunkin' uniform serving customers were shared on social media. Uh, one video was posted of the two sharing a, a hug and shouting a thank you to Dunkin' employees in the shop before leaving. <laughs> Can you imagine getting to uh, getting to work and trying to explain that to your coworkers? You'll never believe what happened. Ben Affleck served me coffee this morning. Your coworkers will be wondering, yeah, what's in that coffee that you were... <laughs> there you go. Uh, that is today's Broken News Report. A digest of the odd and unusual side of the headlines. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. And yet another major brand just announced it's halting all social media advertising. The two most overused and abused words in advertising are truth and trust. They are the two most precious commodities for all brands, big and small. As an advertiser, you have to trust your partners to protect your brand's truth using the media consumer's trust. Radio, it's on. This message provided by WFIN. Now your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. You know, remote work has changed the notion of what work is these days. But it's also changed the notion of what vacation is. According to a new survey, while the old paradigm may have been putting up the old gone fishing sign on your office door and walking away, making that complete break for a while, this new survey of 2,000 remote workers say that they are more than willing to work while they are on vacation, as long as it means extending their stay. And it's not even close. 80% of respondents who work remotely, at least part of the time, 80% in the poll uh, said that they would be willing to work while on vacation as long as it meant more time away. Uh, Workers aged 26 to 41 are the most likely to feel that way, 83%. 48% of that group say they are just as likely to work while on vacation as they would be working at their local coffee shop, you know, logging on their computer and working remotely that way. And 46% say that they would rather take a longer trip that required them to log in rather than a shorter stay in which they did not have to work. So they'd actually rather uh, work that way, work on vacation and take a longer vacation. Natalie Reffitt is here, the Humane Society of Hancock County, and you are petless today. I am petless today. (laughs) That's not because you don't have any animals at the shelter. No, that is not because I don't have any animals at the shelter. I just have another commitment after. Ah, I see. So, so yeah. But yes, we definitely do have pets available for adoption, so if anyone's interested, we that actually is one of the reasons why we wanted to uh, invite you in here this morning, because uh, folks remember about a month ago, we were uh, talking that, uh, you know, a lot of experts will say that giving a new pet as a Christmas gift uh, and bringing a pet into the home during the busy holiday season, probably not the best idea. But now that the holidays are over, welcome, it's a great time. Welcome them in. Yeah. Welcome them on in. Yeah, it's not the best time around the holidays because it's so busy. Mm-hmm. There's too many people coming in and out of the house, new people. If you're adopting a pet, you're strangers to them, essentially. Mm-hmm. And then all these other strangers coming in. Yeah. But now, like you said, with the holidays are settled down, it's great to yeah. welcome a new pet on in. And I guess by extension, you could say the same thing about any time that may be busy for yes. your family. I mean, you know, if you're one, if the type of the family that uh, tends to travel a lot during the summertime and, and things like that, probably not a good idea That's to introduce correct. a pet or whatever it might happen to be. Yes. Those yep. are things that you want to keep in mind. Absolutely. When you bring a new pet, you definitely have to consider your lifestyle mm-hmm. with the type of pet you're adopting. Yeah. If you want a super active dog and you yourself are not active, like an active dog would not be ideal for my lifestyle. <laughs> it would not be good. So you kind of have to know that too. And when you do come into the Humane Society, we will gently tell you stuff yeah. like that. So it's just nice to be open to listen mm-hmm. to what we have to say. Um, we have had some pets come back 
because they did go against our recommendation. So yeah. it really isn't. We do. We really do know the pets. So. Yeah. And that's not good for the animals. It's uh, certainly stressful on the family, too. When you yes. get a pet and it doesn't work out, that's... And then you, you bring know, the pet back. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Unfortunately, that does uh, tend to happen. So, actually, again, that was one of the things that we wanted to talk about. And, and, and also one of the reasons why it's not always a good idea to uh, put a pet under the tree, quote-unquote, under the tree yes. at Christmas time, too. Because yeah. you want to make sure that they, you know, the, that it's a good fit. That is absolutely correct. We have also had people come in. We don't we don't let people adopt as gifts. We recommend everybody come. Well, we actually have everyone come in in the household. It's one of the things you have to do. Yes, you yeah. have to do that. Um, some parents are a little bit upset, but they do actually end up doing it, and they find out their children are terrified of the pets. They yeah. Even like the puppies or like a laid-back dog, the children are absolutely terrified Mm. so then they decide oh maybe this isn't a good idea which is okay which is why we have you come on in or uh, a uh, member of the family might gravitate toward a a certain type of of pet or a certain type of animal yes yes we've also found out that people are can be allergic Mm-hmm. And they didn't know that. And then they come into the shelter and spend some time. And they're like, uh. I'm, yeah. That, I'm I guess I hadn't thought about that. If you don't have a pet in the home, you wouldn't know necessarily yes, that there is an allergy. Yep, or and an that's another reason why we have everyone yeah. come in the house. So uh, talk a little bit about what that process looks like. I mean, in terms of uh, adopting a pet from the uh, Humane Society. And always, mm-hmm. adopt, don't shop. So. So if you are interested in adopting a pet from the Humane Society, you can stop out to the shelter at 4550 Fostoria Avenue during our open business hours. However, we really recommend that you submit an application before you come in, and that gives us time to look at your lifestyle, how many people are in your home, mm-hmm. and when you get there, we can have some ideas of who might be you know, most compatible with your home. Yeah. For for example, uh, again, like you said, uh, maybe there is an active breed of dog. Um, terriers yes. can be yes. you know, very active. Yes, they and, really can. And if I if I was putting in an adoption, filling out one, and I, it says, what what do you want us to really know? What are you looking for in a pet? Mm-hmm. And if I wrote down. A couch potato, someone that just wants to watch TV with me, mm-hmm. and I came in and I looked at a terrier. A lap dog, yes. yeah, a terrier is not a lap dog. Even though he might be small, he's going to be real active. Like mm-hmm. He's going to want walks a lot, multiple walks a day. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to keep him busy. So, so then the staff at the shelter would say, oh, I see that you really want someone to snuggle with. Can you actually look at this one? Mm-hmm. We will show you the terrier too, but... A lot of the times when you go in and then they're bouncing all over, it's like, <laughs> okay, maybe, maybe Carriers not. Terriers are great one. dogs, but not for every, <laughs> yes. uh, not for every family or every lifestyle. Yes, so. absolutely. Um, and it, again, it's not just dogs. Um, you know, there are some, uh, there are other animals that you have. You have cats. And, yes, we do have cats. We have rabbits, guinea pigs. Right now, we only have dogs and cats, but we do okay. have small animals too. And a lot of people don't realize that rabbits and guinea pigs, they are a commitment too. Yeah. Rabbits can live for 10 years, mm-hmm. so it's a long commitment. And they are social animals. We've They're talked about this social. before. I think you've brought in uh, mm-hmm. some of the uh, bunnies before. Yeah. They're social animals. They are so very just put social. them in a cage uh, yeah. and forget about them. You can't do that. Yeah, that's not healthy. No, so. not for the rabbits, not for the guinea pigs. They want to be out. They want to be part of the family, mm-hmm. which is it's kind of it's very cute. You wouldn't think that because when you go to the yeah. pet store, you know, everyone's in a cage. And, right. But they need to be out of the cage. Yeah. Like if you have to put them in the cage at night to secure them, that's okay. Right. But they need to be out as much as possible. Yeah. Uh, so more than you might think goes into that. And and again, one of the reasons why you want everybody to come in uh, is so that you can go over all of yes, these things. Yes, so we can absolutely go over it. And people also, when they want to add a cat into their home, a lot of the times... They already have a cat at home, so mm. we really recommend a slow introduction or a kitten, a cat that's smaller and younger than their existing cat, 
because a lot of people don't realize that cats are very territorial. Yeah. So if you already have a big adult cat and you bring in a bigger adult cat, that could that could be trouble. Yeah. Um, is that uh, is that part of the recommendation as well? Bringing in other pets that are in the household, or is that a different dynamic because it's kind of a quote unquote neutral site? So for the dogs, we do recommend if you have a dog uh-huh. in your home and you want to adopt a dog, we would definitely ask you to bring your dog in. Mm-hmm. If you have a cat, we would not ask you to bring your cat in if okay. you want another cat. Gotcha. Because cats really hate change. Cats aren't as social and adaptable as mm-hmm. dogs. So if you bring your cat in, it's not going to be accurate at all. Yeah. Not at all. <laughs> uh, and then what is involved in, in adopting? How long does this whole process take? So it's not... it's. Mm, I would say if you do that, if you have the application done before, it could be like an hour process. And okay. the hour is the bulk of the time is you interacting with the pet. So you same interact- day. Yes, we could definitely do a same day adoption. Mm-hmm. But we do just have to see if you rent or you own. If you rent, we have to talk to the landlord to make sure it's okay mm-hmm. that you have a pet. Yeah. Because we don't want you to take the pet home. The landlord says, no, you can't adopt. And then you bring the pet right back. Yeah. So we definitely have to check with the landlord. And if you own, everybody in the house has to come in. So uh, all in the name of getting the best situation possible for the pet yes. uh, I- involved. And then once a, a pet is adopted or uh, during this whole process of adopting a pet, uh, certainly emphasizing proper care and yes. you know spaying and neutering and microchipping yes. and all so, of those things. So our pets are spayed and neutered. Mm-hmm. Um, if they come to us as a stray and our doctor has to perform the spay and neuter, they will also be microchipped. Sometimes pets come to us already altered, so those pets would not be microchipped. But about 90% of our pets are spayed. Well, 100% of our pets are spayed. Right. 90% are microchipped, and then they're up to date with their necessary vaccination. Yeah, that's the other part. We you know, have to get all of our ducks in a row to make yes. sure that once we've got a pet in the home that we know how to, uh, to care take for care. it proper- yep. properly. And then we also have um, a free office visit to like one of 10 local vets. So that free office call just covers the walk-in charge, and then it will be up to you you and your family to pay if you decide to, I don't know, get a nail trim at your vet or right. update their vaccination. Yeah. Then that would be at your expense. So again, uh, now that the holidays are over and maybe you uh, put this off or, or hopefully you, if you wanted to give a, a pet to the family, uh, you did it the right way, you know, wrapping up yeah. the, the new collar, the new dog toy and, yeah. you know, <laughs> uh, getting the kids all excited. Now is a really good time to uh, welcome in uh, your new four-legged family member yes. and lots to choose from at the uh, yes, shelter. Yes, we sure do. We've got a link up for more information at our webpage. Go to goodmornings.net. Again, Natalie Raffert with the Humane Society of Hancock County. Thanks very much for dropping by. We appreciate it. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. And that will finish up our podcast for today. Thanks to all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. And remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each and every day on the program at our webpage. Check us out online at goodmornings.net. Coming up tomorrow on the program, Findlay City School staff are being trained this week on an active shooter alert system that is the first of its kind to be implemented in Ohio. We'll learn more about what Safe Defend is and how it works. So until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. We'll catch you back here tomorrow.